Very good. Thank you, Blake, for leading us. Uh, and it's good to see Blake back. I got to see Blake play with Connor up at camp. So good. And, um, you know, as we are, God is guiding us through this next season of looking for our next worship director. Um, we are going to have some different uh, director or some different leaders come in. Next week, we'll have Natasha come in. And anyway, we're just, we're, we're waiting on the Lord to see what the Lord has for us. But thanks so much, Blake, for, for loving us so much this morning. It's so good to have, uh, to have you. So this last week, it's, all, it's kickoff time. So Awana started last Wednesday. How many Awana folks we have? Whoop! That's right. Raise the roof on Awana. I love it. Um, so good. I, I should have worn my red vest up here. That would have, anyway. Um, and then um, Friday night, Friday night, we had waffles, making waffles. The youth, we had like 30 students here eating waffles. So it's like post-football, high school football waffles. That's what we're doing. Anyway, so good. Thanks, Andrew, for that. It's, um, and we are on the eve of our first Israel trip. Our Israel trip is leaving tomorrow. We fly out of LAX, Istanbul, Istanbul to uh, Tel Aviv, and, then, and it's, then we're in the place where the Bible happened. So, um, and then we're just standing in spots where Jesus used to live here. Like, that's the way it's going to go. So we're looking forward to that, and we'll have a chance to pray for our team at the end of the service, but we're very excited for that. As we said last week, we are in the beginnings of our ministry year. We talked about a couple of years ago, we changed our fiscal year so that we weren't doing budgeting in December when nobody's thinking about budgeting. Um, we're doing budgeting before that. We get to um, June and July. That means that when we get to the fall, fall is the kickoff for our ministry year. And our ministry year, these nine months, run through really September to, uh, to May. And then summer, June, July, August is its own uh, kind of ministry period, but it lets us kind of as we get, as people go back to school and, and back to those rhythms of life, it allows us to kind of re-enter and to ask the questions, you know, what does God have for me particularly this year? And there's always good times for us to take a step back and to ask ourselves, what is God doing particularly in my life as we move into this fall season. And as a church, we wanted to be thoughtful about that and to give some opportunities to do that. And one of the things that we've, we're doing in these last couple weeks is we're looking back at our church purpose statement as well as our guiding values for the church. And last week we went back and we asked this question again, back when we did back in 2019 when I first came here. Uh, and we looked at this Mark chapter 12 passage and someone asked Jesus, like, hey, Jesus, What's the most important thing? And this is such a great question because now we're like leaning forward and like Jesus is going to say something about this. And he does. He says, hey, the greatest commandment, hands down, is Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then there's another one, another verse, Leviticus 19, 18. Love your neighbor as yourself. And both of those have this command to love. And you shall love the Lord your God and you shall love your neighbor. And last week we talked about this idea, and you can put it up on the screen, Maurice, is that love, love God and love others. In, in 2019, we, we made that our purpose statement. And what's our purpose statement? Love God, love others. And we added to it, did we not? We added love orange, right? Love our community, orange and its surrounding communities. That we, the love God and love others is universal. I think any church could have that particular purpose statement but God has planted us here. 
God has said, hey, I need a church that's going to be responsible for every man, woman, and child in this area. And I'm going to put a bunch of them in this city of Orange, but it's their responsibility. And so for us, it's love God, love others, and love Orange. Orange is our responsibility and the surrounding communities. We do love Villa Park. We do love Anaheim. We do love North Tustin. South Tustin, I don't know, but North Tustin, we love. Okay? We, we love the surrounding communities. And so this idea, love God, love others, love Orange. And um, so this morning what I want to do is I want to revisit, as we did last week, we revisited our purpose statement, love God, love others, love Orange. But today I want to revisit four values that I put forth when I first got here, four values that I think are guiding values for our church moving forward, as we've talked about a, a revitalization. Like when I came here, I looked, you know, you look around, you're like, look, this building was built for more. This campus was built for more. Like what if this campus was running on all cylinders, right? That what kind of an imprint could we make in the city of Orange for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the kingdom? And so what I want to do today is I just want to revisit those four values. Um, and what I want, I want to say, we're going to mention four of them. And I, I want to just say they're not exhaustive. Like we're not, I'm not, everything a church should do is wrapped up in these four values. That's not the, the point because we have a number of values. And one of the things that I actually like to do in the pastor's class, if you're new, we're going to have a pastor's class. It's a chance to learn a little bit about the church and what, are, what is our purpose, what are our values, what's our doctrine, stuff like that. But one of the things that I started doing back when I worked at Voyager's Bible Church in Irvine, when I ran um, P, uh, the guest, the new, the pastor's class essentially over there, um, I would ask people as they came in, what do you think we value? Like you just came, you just stepped in, you just sang songs with us and you just heard a message. Like what do you think? You're new to our community. What do you think we value? And that's actually a really interesting question to ask people. By just walking onto our campus, being in our community, what are the things we value? And so some of these, and you get really interesting because sometimes you're trying, you're like, no, these are our values. You're like, no, 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 I just showed up here. These are your values. Like this is what you really, what you really care about, right? So some of these values, it's not exhaustive, but also to say that some of these values are what we would call aspirational values. Some we, we lean into, and they definitely are our values, but some are things that we're leaning into and we're aspiring towards. And we can mention all kinds of things like worship, reading your Bible, prayer, connecting service. Those are all, those are all awesome things, and those are all things we do. But what I'm going to put out to us this morning are not necessarily things we do. Values are things that pervade our life and, and enter into everything that we do. They're sensibilities. When we come to a situation, our values enter into every situation that we have. And what the idea is that these four values that we're going to talk about today, the goal is that these four values would, would be a part of every ministry. They would be part of our worship service. They would be part of our youth ministry, that our children's ministry, that everything that we do would be pervaded by these four things. And so this idea that they should invade every area of life and ministry. And when I came, first came, I offered these four to us, four mindsets that we want to lean into. 
And so one, the, the passage that we had read this morning is the passage that I want to use to kind of walk through these four values. So if you have your Bibles, let's open up to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to be flipping around a little bit, and we're going to be looking at the screen and, uh, and taking a look at what God has for us. But Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. I love that Steve is a distance runner and um, his, one of his favorite verses about running with endurance. But let me read it again for us. And, um, and actually, let's do this if we can. We haven't done this for a while because we've changed where our, our reading is. But if we could all stand together in honor of God and his word, I'm just going to read this again as we have it in front of us. Hebrews 12.1, therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This is God's word. Amen and amen. You can take a seat. And what we've done with these four values, we're going to look in this passage and find, uh, I was trying to find a, a single passage that kind of contained our four values. This was the one I landed on. And um, all of these values, there, there are some verses that kind of, that, that work into these, and we're going to see some graphic representations of these. Um, but and as we have kind of walking through this new season, we asked um, Ashley Duran, who actually is the person who um, designed our logo for us. Um, she was at Grace Fellowship Church when Kelly and I were there. She was a resident of Orange. Um, she designed our Love Orange, the, the four-quadrant Love Orange thing that's out in the, on the banners in the lobby. And we asked her to think about, hey, if these are our four values... Give us a representation of what these look like. Like we want to begin, we want to at some point this year get these on some banners out in the lobby, get them out in the courtyard. We want these things to pervade what we have been thinking. Like some of you were like, when you came, like you might be asking, so when you came, you, had, you gave us four values? Like I don't remember what they are. It's like some of you were like, I know exactly what they are. But some of you are like, I have no idea what he's going to say. And that, in some ways, that's on, on us as elders and as me, like not putting that in front of us as much. But these have been things that have been on my heart and on my mind with every decision that we make at the church, things that I want us to lean into as we do this. And so we had Ashley design some graphics on this. So we're going to talk about these values and talk about what the graphics represent and, and see if these are things that resonate with us. That's the idea is that as we hear about our values, you're like, these are our values? As we think about these values, we want them to resonate with us deeply. All right, so here we go. The first one is this, and here's our, um, our first value. Um, it is this. Our first value is anticipating that God will move. Anticipating that God will move. Let me just say this. God has a burning desire to make himself known on this earth. And whenever we show up in any situation, we know that God has preceded us into that situation and wants to make himself known there. When we show up on a Sunday morning, it's like God's like, I've been waiting for you because I want to do something. 
every time we think about ministry, every time we think about doing something, it's because we think that God wants to move. When I came here, I was, I was when I was interviewing with the elders, um, I was also interviewing with another church at the same time. And, um, and as we were kind of working through, and Kelly and I were like pros and cons, we got the pros and cons out, right? But one of the, what, what did it for me was I looked at this campus, I looked at the location, it's right in the center of Orange County. We are right in the center of Orange County. Like the, the actual geographical center of Orange County is the circle or the plaza. Thank you, Dora, I see you. Two weeks in a row, Dora, you made the sermon. Okay, right in the middle of Orange County. And there's this footprint. It's one of the largest church footprints in the city of Orange. And to look around and to say, what if, what if this church was running on all cylinders? Because here's the thing, when God, when God put on the heart of the people to come to this spot, when God put on the heart of Bob Welch to donate this property, what he thought is that God was going to do something awesome. When he showed, when, and when people showed up, they're like, God is going to do something. And that was, when I was here, I was like, Look, I have a sense God wants to do something. It's the one value that I think is the most important value, whether you're in a church or just in your life. Wherever you go, wherever you show up, you need to understand God wants to do something. And so when we pray and we're like, we're going to launch life groups, why? Because we think God is going to do something. Why are we going to pick up trash on the Love Orange Serve Day? Because we believe that God wants to do something. Every place we show up as a church, I would, this is for me, this is like, if, ever, if, if people were to say, hey, have you heard of that church, Taft Avenue Community Church? This is what I want people to say. Yeah, those people think God is going to do something. Like, I would love it if that was the reputation. Those people trust Jesus. Those people are unafraid to ask God to do something because they believe He will. This, this value, this is it. This is the one. This is the starting point. This is why we show up. This is why we do. This is why we worship. This is why we open God's Word. Why do we open God's Word in the morning? Because we believe He has something for us. We show up to worship because we believe that he's going to be encountered. God has a burning desire to make himself known in this world. Mm, This is the value. This is what I want deep in our hearts. Wherever we go, I want us to think God's going to do something there. God's going to do something there. God, what are you doing and how can I be part of it? Because everywhere we show up, God's like, I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting for you. And you say, God, what do you want me to do? Okay, let's do this. Because God, the thing is, God can do everything on his own. That's fine. He doesn't want to do everything on his own. He wants to do it with you. It's funny about God. God's like, I only only do it, I only do things with people. I love to do things with my people. Anyway, I'm I'm off my notes, so there we go. Why, Why a mountain? Ashley was awesome on this one. She, she went to, and if you want to go there, Matthew 17, 20. Matthew 17, 20. Some of you guys might have this memorized because you love the Bible, and this is awesome, right? But Matthew 17, 20, 
after the disciples are like, it's a story about they're, they're trying to cast out this demon, they can't do it, and then Jesus does it. But Jesus says this, he said to them, because of your little faith, um, why, why could we not cast it out? He says, because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible. I love when the angel tells Mary, hey, you're going to have a baby. And Mary's like, I might be young, but I know enough to know where babies come from, (laughs) right? And she's like, and that's not going to happen. And he goes, hey, look, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, et cetera, et cetera. And then the angel says, nothing is impossible with God. Anticipating that God will move. Anticipating that God will move moves us out into our world. It also does this. People who anticipate that God's going to move are on their knees in prayer because they're like, God, what do you have for us? What do you have for us? What do you want us to do? And people that anticipate that God's going to move pray for people to be healed. They pray for God to provide. People that anticipate that God will move, their first response is, there's a problem, I'm going to pray because God can do something about that. And we think he wants to. And we're going to ask him to just bring his compassion down on that area. So anticipating that God will move is our first and greatest value. We, this, isn't, this isn't something we do. It's something we bring in. It's a sensibility we bring in to every ministry, every place, every person is there an amen in here? I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I'm on a roll, so I'm just going to keep going, okay? So anyway, whenever we come to an issue, we believe that God is already interested and wants to move. God, what do you want to do, and what is our part in it? What's my part in it? Jesus says in, in Hebrews 12, how does this relate to Hebrews chapter 12? Um, in, he, in Hebrews chapter 12, it says that Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. And that is this, our faith, our faith is just modeled on the faith of Jesus. He's the author of faith. Did Jesus believe that God would move? Yes. You have to if you're going to sacrifice yourself. If you're going to give yourself up, you're doing it anticipating, I know I'm on the cross dying. I know that God will vindicate me. I know my Father will vindicate me anticipating that God will move. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. So in everything we do, we anticipate that God will move. I feel like we could just say amen and go out of here, and it's like, now just go apply. Like, use your imagination. Spirit, work. Go apply that somewhere in your life. Like, here's the deal. Where do you need to apply that in your life right now? Where do you need to apply that in your life? Maybe just make a little note to yourself. Like, I need to anticipate that God is going to move. I'm not just like, maybe God will move. No, 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 no. God loves you. God loves you. He knows everything about you. He knows everything that's on your mind. He knows every anxiety you have. He wants to move. Where in your life do you feel like you need, you need this value right now? And I would just say this, ministry leaders out there, you guys that are ministry leaders, you lead one of our ministries, like ask yourself this question, how can this value relate to your ministry? What do you need to do? What's been on your mind? 
Like, what's the idea that's been on your mind? Like, I can't get it out of my mind. Look, it's been on your mind because the Holy Spirit's like, hey, hey, we got to do this. Like, let's go. Let's do this. So where do, you need, where do you need this in your life? Where do you need to see this? Where do you think this is active? Where do you need to bring this to bear in your ministry? All right. Everything we do, we want to anticipate that God will move. All right. I need a drink of water. Number two. Number two, here's our second one, and it's this, removing distractions and calling attention to God. Removing distractions and calling attention to God. All right, here's the deal. We live in a world of distractions. Oh, yeah, is right. Look, in the history of humanity, and I'm not making this up, this is the most distracted time in human history. There have never, ever, ever been more distractions in our world. You have, you have a distraction in your pocket right now or your purse. I might need you to tell, tell you to turn it off, right? Okay, you have distraction with you 24 hours a day. Maybe when you're asleep, you're not as distracted. But one of the most significant aspects of what we're doing here in our worship and in our ministries is to provide a place where we can do, where we can remove distractions and point in the direction of what God is doing. Listen to Hebrews 12.1. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. What do they say? Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles And let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Removing distractions. Take off the things that hinder, the sin that entangles, and fix your eyes on Jesus. What I love about this value is that it can be applied in so many ways. It can move us to reorganize our worship service, and it did. When, we, when, when I first got here, even when we, it was COVID, we're like, look, people at home, they need this. Like, we need to do it shorter. We need to be more concise. We need to remove distractions. We actually, we, it was the reason why we took our announcements and we moved them out of the middle of the service. We moved it to the end because we wanted to have more, more uh, focused time on uh, singing in worship, hearing God's word in worship, praying in worship, and having a longer block of singing, and then a, and then a longer, then a really long block of preaching. Okay, you guys get the idea. But we moved it to the end because we don't want people, we didn't want to distract. Obviously, we also wanted to move it to the right place where application, we want, what's the call to action? Let's move that to the end. Simplify. Remove distractions. Call attention to God. It's why we cleared the stage. It's why we painted that dark up there so you weren't looking at the 27 vents that are up there. Right now you are, so I'm distracting you. But this is the the whole idea of what we've done. We took, we did this all so that it would focus. It would remove distractions. I mean, this can move us to reorganize our worship service, but it can also move us to clean out a closet. Right? This can can move us to... uh, um, reevaluate our, and reorganize our ministries, or it can move us to pick up trash or to pull out weeds. Like as you come on campus, like are there things that are distracting you? When we want, I want people when they come on campus, I want them to feel a sense of, re, of release, of relief, 
I want them to feel a sense of welcome. I want them to come in and say, oh, yes. Not like, oh, did you see that? Like, that's not what we, we want to, we want to remove distractions. This, this value actually, um, this actually came from, um, from Hume Lake Christian Camps. So I work on the board of directors up there at Hume Lake Christian Camps, and um, back in 2012, we, we redid our culture and value statement, and one of the values, and so we were interviewing all these staff people, and I was asking, like, what is the, what is the essence of human? And this value actually came up, and one of the men that runs the support services staff up at Hume Lake, his name's Griff, Griff Griffins. So, so great, they named him twice, right? Griff. Um, but Griff is awesome. He's been there forever, and he has a little plaque on his desk. And this is the guy, this is the guy who goes around and oversees all the cleaning of cabins, the clean, the vacuuming, uh, any toilet that that's, needs plunging. Like, he sends people out and does it himself, and he's out there doing it. Support services. He has a little plaque on his desk. And the, the, pack, the plaque says, removing distractions. He's like, look, because when students come up here, they come up here because they need to hear the gospel. Everything we do, everything we do moves towards the gospel. And if, if, they're, if their toilet's plugged, that's a distraction. If the air conditioning's not working, that's a distraction. If there's trash on the ground, that's a distraction. If the building's in disrepair, that's a distraction. See, Griff, you might say, Griff, what do you do? Do you, do you vacuum or unplug toilets? He's like, no, 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 no. I remove distractions. Because what I do has a direct impact on, on kids hearing the gospel. Removing distractions, calling attention to God. I was listening to a podcast. Um, we went to an EFCA conference, and, uh, uh, and one, of the, the, one of the presenters there was uh, this, it's called placemaking, and it's about how your facility can, can impact the community. And, um, and one of the things that um, she said was... Um, your building preaches. Your building, your campus preaches. You might think I'm the only one preaching up here. Like maybe, maybe words, but everything about our community preaches. Your life preaches. Our building preaches. Our campus preaches. And the question is, what is it saying? Is it distracting? Are you a distraction? Or are we calling attention to God? And that's the idea is we want to remove distractions call attention to God. I love this value. I love that. It, look, it, it's been so deeply ingrained in me. I was just up for a meeting up at Hume, and um, I was out on the lake, and I just came in. I was on a paddleboard, came in, and I just saw some trash. I'm like, I'm just going to pick up trash. I'm like, why? Because there's a, there's a marriage conference in, and if they come out here, I don't want them seeing trash. What I want them seeing is the glory of God with that view, removing distractions. It's it, just a little bit just a little bit of something, remove distractions, call attention to God. It can move, look, removing distractions, calling attention to God, it can move you to taking an app off your phone, right? Even as I was preparing this, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta, take, I gotta take Instagram off my phone, man. I'm done. I'm all done, right? Yeah, you're like, some of you are like, what's Instagram? I'm, no, I'm just kidding. Um, no laughs on that. Okay, thank you, everybody. All right, TikTok, I don't know, whatever. Look, if it's distracting, maybe it's time to take a break. But this value can move us in so many different ways. This value can move you to say, you know what? I need to take a weekend and I just need to get away and I need to, I need to ask the Lord about some stuff. 
I mean, we see this value in Scripture all the time. God says, hey, I'm going to take this person, and I'm going to take them out. I'm going to take them out to the desert. We're all going to see the desert, the Israel people. It's hot. There's nothing out there. You can't be distracted. I'm going to take this person, I'm going to take them out, and, and I'm, going to make, I'm going to have them think a little bit. God loves this value, removing distractions, calling attention to God. Should we do this thing? Well, will it call attention to God or will it distract? It's a great, think about it, how, where in your life, think about this value, where in your life does this value need to come to bear? Where in your life does this value need to come to bear? I'll ask another thing about ministry leaders. Think about this, ministry leaders. Where does this value need to come to bear in the ministry that you lead? Removing distractions, calling attention to God. All right. In Hebrews 12, throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles. Fix your eyes on Jesus. All right, so that's two. So we've got removing distractions, calling attention to God. We've got removing distractions, uh, sorry, um, sorry. Anticipating God will move, removing distractions, calling attention to God. And here's our third. Our third is this, the overwhelming value of each person or sheep, as you might imagine. The overwhelming value of each person. Here's the deal. All right, I feel like we need a stretch or something like that. I mean, these, there's a lot of weight to these for me. Um, so we believe that every person in this room, in this community, in Orange County, in California, in the United States, all over the world, and that every person who comes in contact with our church is uniquely known by God and created in God's image. Let me say that again. Every person who comes in contact with our church is uniquely known by God and created in God's image. And God desires to be known in their story. Whatever their story is, God desires to be known. If you're here, there's a good chance that God is known in your story, that God's part of your story. God wants to be part of the story of every man, woman, and child in this city. And every person who comes in contact with our church, God has that desire. When we're talking with someone we feel the weight of God's desire for that person. When I'm talking with you, I want to be reminded, man, Daryl, God loves Daryl. God loves him. It's not just that he values him. There's an overwhelming sense. God has redeemed him. I'm picking on you, Daryl, because I love you. Like, God has redeemed him. God loves him. God wants to bless him. Like, there's a weight to that. Just think about the person sitting next to you, how much God loves them, how deeply they love them. But it's not just the person, you all in this room. It's the UPS guy. It's the checker at Vons. God deeply loves them, and there's an overwhelming sense of their value. They're created in God's image. They are most fully human when they are in Christ. And we don't want to just know that. There's a sense in which we want to feel that. The homeless guy at the off-ramp, God deeply loves them. God wants to be known in that story. Every person that we come in contact with, 
We want to feel that weight. We want to see people through God's eyes and to feel that weight and let that affect the way we interact with them. I, I, you, I look around and I hear, I, I know a lot of your guys' stories. If I don't know your story, we got to get together, we got to have coffee, and I, I want to hear more of it because here's the deal. You, got, you are precious people. You are precious. God loves you deeply. And I want, I want to deal carefully with you because God deals carefully with you. I want you to look around and I want you to deal carefully with people around you. And I also want us to deal carefully and intentionally with all the people around us in our community. We've been spending time in Psalm 23 and I thought um, when she originally did this graphic it had sparrows because the idea that God, God sees the sparrows but the sparrows look like doves and they look like the Holy Spirit. So we went, hey, how about sheep? Can we do sheep? Sheep are good. Like sheep is good because also not just Psalm 23, God, the Lord is our shepherd, the Lord shepherds us. But also in Luke 15 when Jesus tells the story, which of you if you had 100 sheep and one of them went astray wouldn't leave the 99 and open pasture and go after the one? What I love about that, what I love about that is that's just the first in a string of parables about God looking for lost things. The shepherd who loses one sheep of the 90, of, he loses one of 100, and then the woman who loses the coin, one of 10, and then the father who loses a son, one of two, the lost son, the prodigal son. Even both of his sons, but what does he have to do? He goes out to them. He goes out to find them. Like a shepherd goes out to find a sheep, God the father goes out to find his son. He encounters him while he's still far off. Even the elder brother, he has to leave the party and go out to him. God is a God who goes out. The overwhelming value of each person. God is on the hunt. He's looking for people. and He's saying, will you do it with me? Will you feel the weight of these people with me? Again, to ask the question, where in your life do you feel like this value needs to come to bear? Maybe a person is coming to mind right now. Like, just take a second and pray for that person. The weight, just feel the weight. And you're like, I feel it, but just imagine the weight that God feels towards that person. Ministry leaders, how does this value affect your ministry, what you're doing? The ministry that you're overseeing, how does this value, how can this value, value come to bear on the ministry that you are in? The overwhelming value of each person. In, in, the, in Hebrews 12, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And they're testifying the value of those people. Anticipating God will move removing distractions, calling attention to God, the overwhelming value of each person, and finally, number four, a congregation of growing people. A congregation of growing people. In the book of Hebrews, it says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. At the end, it talks about Jesus, that Jesus uh, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and then sat down on his throne, sat down at the, at the right hand of the Father. 
Jesus is seated because his race is finished. Our race is ongoing. There will be a day where you were, and the book of Colossians says you have been seated with Christ in the heavenly places, and that's because mystically you have been seated, but you are in the process of running a race. And there is a thing that you are becoming a person that you have not yet already been, that God is in the process of growing you into Christ-likeness. And until we sit down with Jesus, Jesus has a plan to make us something we are not yet already. Jesus has a plan to grow us in his likeness. And so the inspiration for this graphic is Psalm 1, that uh, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the path of sinners, or sit in the seat of scoffers. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of waters that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. We believe that whether you are in the nursery or whether you're 90 years old, God has something new for you every day. You will never not be a growing person. The day you go meet Jesus, he will make you complete and perfect Wait for the day of resurrection where you will bodily be made perfect, but you will be in the presence of the Lord. But until that day, God has something new for you and me every day. You are not yet what Christ is making you into today. George Valant, um, he wrote a book called Aging Well. He oversaw the, um, the, the Harvard uh, longitudinal study. They basically tracked sophomores at Harvard from, uh, uh, from 1936 to 1938, and they tracked them their entire lives. And his, his goal was to predict what are the predictors of successful aging, hence the book uh, Aging Well, okay? Uh, but what he found out is that people who lived longer, healthier, more productive lives at the end in their 60s, 70s, and 80s were constantly learning new things, and not just learning new things, that they, they, would, uh, they were making new friends. That even as people were in their 80s and 90s and some of their peers and contemporaries were, were dying beside them, they were still making younger friends. It was one of the greatest predictors of aging well. He asked people, okay, how have you lived so long? And one of the respondents was like, Every, he was 80 years old. Every day I get up and I ask, what am I going to learn today? <laughs> More predictive at the age of 50. At the age of 50, what was a better predictor of long life? How high your cholesterol was or whether you had a healthy marriage? Healthy marriage won. You could be horribly, I mean, you could eat terribly. I'm not saying you should, okay? Take, okay. But it was, more the, it was more the social relational. Do you know how to give love and receive love? That was a better predictor than good health. A better predictor of long life and wellness was whether you would be a learner late in life and whether you would have good relationships late in life. 
a congregation of growing people. I don't care how old you are, God has something new. And if you're young, God has a lot of good things for you. Every day, like there's, again, this is where we come right back around. God wants to move. And you're like, well, I'm retired. I don't care. Do you think God cares that you're retired? It's just a different season, but God still wants to move. I'm too young. No, God wants to move. He wants to move whatever season you are in. So we want these values, these sensibilities pervade everything we do, every ministry, this idea anticipating God will move, removing distractions, calling attention to God, the overwhelming value of each person, and a congregation of growing people. Just take a sec, just take a second. And again, we've kind of done this for each of these things, but maybe think about the last one, the congregation of growing people, and just think personally, like, how do I need to apply that this value in my life right now? How do, we, how do I need that value to come to bear in my life right now? Growing people. I'm a growing person. Ministry leaders. How does that value need to come to bear in the ministry that you lead? A congregation of growing people. As we think about this, and maybe this is just a, a time to maybe write down on your, on your bulletin, um, just something like what is something? Because I, I do think that what we don't want to do is just come in here and and hear things, and something comes to mind. What we want to do is we want to uh, we want to as the Spirit works on us, we want to make a little note, and maybe make a little note, or put this in your Bible, or tear off a piece of this, and just to remember, like what is what was God saying to me? How is He moving in my life now as a church? As we are in the fall, and it is fall kickoff season, we think that there are some ways that various ministries can help these values center in and sink in. And there's a few that we have. The first thing is this, okay? I I feel like this is a shameless plug. It's like, it's almost like sacrilegious to now talk about, to pitch our ministries. Because I I do, the, the, the overall thing that I want you to do, I want the Holy Spirit to work. Like, are these, here's the question, do these values resonate with you? Like when you hear them, are you like, yes, yes, yes. Like that's resonant. Or you're like, eh, I don't know, I don't know. Like, well, okay. If, you're, if you are a little skeptical, like give it a chance to resonate. Sometimes it, the resonance comes later. But I, I think probably you hear these values, you're like, okay, yes, yes. These are the things we want to do. And so I would just say, I would, ultimately I want to turn you loose to the Holy Spirit to say, Spirit, move move in their lives, like, and, and think about it, but as a, as a church, as a pastor, what I want to do is equip. I want to say, okay, where's a good place to let these values start to sink in if they're not already sunk in? Or where's a place, if these values have sunk in, that you can begin to work these out? I think probably the best place for these values to work themselves out are in life groups. A place where you're surrounded, again, this happens in circles, not rows, Like these values, I can talk about them, I can talk to you about them all day long, but they happen best in circles, not here. Where you're talking to each other and you're 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 in someone's home, you're eating cookies together, so I go whatever you're eating together, something more healthy than that. Okay? You're eating fruit together. Uh however, (laughs) thank you, Sue. I look, I I I, processed sugar is the devil. So, okay. (laughs) Whatever 
Life groups. And so this idea, sign up for a life group. You can sign up on our website. Um, you can go right at life groups, fall life groups, sign up. We'll get you into a life group. We'll put you with someone who knows how to lead a life group. We'll have a host, a host family. You'll get a, a schedule of who's going to bring the cookies or strawberries or whatever you're going to have for snacks. And then we'll have sermon discussion questions. And what we'll do is every week in the bulletin, we're going to put our sermon discussion questions in here. A little homework. We'll put a little homework in here. I'm a professor. I'm going to give you guys homework every week. Some passages to look up for your life group, some questions to answer. You'll go into your life group for the week, and you'll talk about it. There's some, some great times that can be happening in life groups. So that's the first thing. Second thing is this. Um, we want to, if, if, you've not had, if you've not been baptized before, you put your faith in Jesus, but you've not necessarily um, proclaimed your faith through baptism, we're going to have a baptism class where we talk about what does baptism mean, what do we do, and basically we share our stories about how God has transformed our lives, and then we're going to have a Sunday where we fill up the baptistry and we baptize people. So um, that, it's going to be great. It'll be wet. You can be in a splash zone if you want. Um, splash zone. There we go. Thank you. It's like I'm going to do a cannonball in there. Uh, no, we're not going to do that. Removing distractions, right? Okay, calling attention to God. Um, and then here's another way. If you're newer to our community and you're like, I, look, I just want to know a little bit more about what's going on here, we have a pastor's class. Pastor's class is going to be coming after we get back from Israel. We'll have a chance to sit down. I can hear a little bit of your story. We'll, have, um, we'll tell a little bit of the story of the church. How many people have been through a pastor's class in here? Yeah, look at that. It's awesome. We have a great chance to just talk about what it is that we do here and what are our values. You're hearing our values right now, but what about our doctrinal statement? What, what is the Evangelical Free Church of America, et cetera, et cetera? That's going to be on, on Wednesday nights when we get back from Israel. Um, and then if there is one thing that we can, um, one call to action, so sign up for life groups, but also um, our Love Orange Serve Day is coming up on October 1st. Love Orange Citywide Serve Day. And we're going to be leading a couple of um, trash pickup groups that will go out into the community and pick up trash because we, we're going to take removing distractions. We're going to take it out in the city and we're going to love our city by picking up trash. And also, if you, don't, if you don't want to pick up trash, there's lots of different things. You can go on the loveorange.org site. You can sign up as a volunteer and you can get involved in all kinds of things. Last year, we had people from our church all over the city doing different things working with other people in the city from other churches or just other people in the city is a great chance to meet people. The overwhelming value of each person, you're going to meet new people. Congregation of growing people, you're going to meet new people. So all of these things we feel like these are great ways for our values to come out. And then one final one is um, we do have a women's barbecue that's coming up on September 17th. That's just a great way to get involved and to meet some people and to eat great barbecue because that's a value too. I didn't mention that's our fifth value. Eat great barbecue. Okay? It's not on the same level as the other ones, but it is a value that we want to promote. Anyway, okay, thank you very much. All right, let's pray. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. But I just want to give us a chance. Let's just bow our heads and just take a moment. Again, let's just remove distractions for a second. And maybe even as you're coming off a week, you're like, man, this is... This is the first time I've just had a chance to sit quietly. I'm just going to take a second. I'm just going to offer ourselves to the Lord, say, Lord, here I am. And we're just going to ask 
God, what from this morning are you impressing on me? What from this morning would you have me do? God, where are you moving that you want me to go with you? And as you just take some time to hear what the Lord is impressing on you, just jot it down, write it down. There's pens in the pews in front of you. Just jot it down in your bulletin. Maybe it's just a word. It's the way that God does this. Sometimes he impresses a word or a thought or maybe it was one of the phrases. Maybe it's one of the ministries. But we believe that God is moving and God wants to do something here. Jesus, we love you. We're so grateful that you came down, that you made a sacrifice on our behalf. That because of that, that we can be reconciled to our Heavenly Father through you, Jesus. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We want to recognize the presence of the Spirit here today. And we want to yield to your guidance in our lives. So we love you, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen.